0: Hello, and welcome to Roundabout Now, the podcast that covers life, news, and people in Youngsville, Louisiana. We're your hosts, Logan Lanou and Lucas Menard, just two normal guys who live in the city of Youngsville trying to get a grasp on what's happening in our community. On this month's podcast, I'm happy to welcome the president and CEO of Community First Bank, as well as the father of our own Lucas Menard, Mr. Benny Menard. Mr. Benny, welcome to the show.
1: Well, it's good to be here, and uh, you guys must have, a, must have a tough time because you couldn't find anybody to go behind the golden voice of the mayor of Ken Ritter, and you have to settle for me. <laughs> you know,
0: I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's true, but yeah, well, you do least, have a tough act to follow. Well, that. at least you're
1: going to get a little bit more of a Cajun flair this time around.
2: <laughs> yeah, hopefully you uh, you know, do as good of a job as making us not have to work as hard as Ken did. <laughs> yeah.
0: So before we, we, we dive in, uh, I just wanted to make a couple plugs that I forgot to do on the last episode. Um, We do have a Facebook page, uh, if you are on Facebook. A lot of you have found us, thankfully, um, but it's facebook.com slash roundaboutyoungsville. Um, And we also have uh, an email address if you would like to email us topics, concerns, questions, or anything like that. That's roundaboutyoungsville at gmail.com. And I'd also just want to say thanks, because I'll be honest with you, the amount of listeners we got from our first episode was way above our expectations, and we're very grateful to the hundreds of you that listen to us. You actually care. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> they like me. <laughs> 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 so with that being said, we're very grateful. We're very excited to do our second episode. Sorry it took a little bit longer than we expected. Uh, some of us were uh, out of town on vacation. I will not name names. Mm-hmm. Uh, most notably me. I mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Spent the last week in the... Virgin Islands on a Disney cruise. So, uh, you know, I, I had to go to work. Kind it's kind of a, a good time
2: for a, another plug, by the
0: way. It's a, it's a tough job for a travel agent, but unfortunately <laughs> it's necessary. <laughs> so with that being said, Mr. Benny, I'm so exa- you know, excited you're here. Obviously, you know, Lucas pretty well. At least I would, one would think.
2: Hey dad. Boys. <laughs> <laughs> <What? laughs> yeah.
0: But also, you know, being from New Iberia, I've known you for a better part of 20 years at this point. So, uh, My first checking account was with Community First Bank back in the late 90s, early 2000s. -hmm. So, uh, obviously, there's some history here. So, I'm going to try to be, as the financially illiterate one, the one kind of keeping things at ground level. But, obviously, we're familiar, so I I don't mind cutting people off and saying, hey, I have no clue what that means. So, please explain.
2: Well, I figured, let's do this. Let's start up. I know the story. I better know the story. But uh, oh. um, So, Dad, where are you from? <laughs> How'd you get into banking? Why don't you give well, us the, the, the high level like overview?
1: Like I said, you're going to get the Cajun flair. I'm originally <laughs> from Bro Bridge, Louisiana. And uh, through my high school career, I actually started in banking right out of high school. Uh, I, I took a little... I went to college for a year, went into banking and went back and got and finished my degree and, and got that. But I started actually in, in banking as a teller, just like most people do. They start as a teller and uh, moved on from there and uh, actually moved after a couple of years from Broadbridge and moved to New Iberia, uh, where Logan and I met. And uh, I had been in New Iberia all these years. In fact, where, where
0: we actually started our bank from in New Iberia. Cool. So... that's the origin of how you got into banking. But I'm curious is, I I guess the natural follow-up question is, how do you start a bank, right? Because obviously you were were working at another company, obviously, if you started in banking. So how do you go from working for someone to being the bank?
1: And I get this question all the time. How did you start a bank? And um, it is different. And if you don't mind, I'll actually compare it to a business. You know, people want to... Do something in business, and I'm going to take Lucas's wife, Nikki, for example. Perfect. Um, you know, Nikki a plug opportunity, yeah. by the way. <laughs> Nikki Contribute has, has had the experience. She went back, got her education, got certified in her in her field, and decided, you know, I'm going to go actually open business. I think I can service the community. I'm going to open the business. You, every business has to have some type of capital, so you either bring capital in by taking it out of your personal funds or going to a bank and giving them the theory of what you want to do and actually borrowing the money. And that capital is how you start the business. In banking, it's a little different. And I did find out the, lo- the hard way because I never was involved in starting a bank. So uh, it, ca- it, it to me, it comes with three things, timing, luck, and blessings. That's the three things to start a bank. <laughs> you have to have all three. <laughs> The timing was perfect uh, because at that point in time, the mergers and acquisitions that has a trend in banking. And mergers and acquisitions happens quite a bit, and in the in our market area at the time of New Iberia, uh, we were we were uh, being acquired by another bank, or we had been acquired by another bank. And I say we. I've always been in a community bank. I've always been working for a community bank. Twice in my banking career. I was actually acquired by another bank. In other words, some banks are small and get bought out by bigger banks. When the second time came around, I thought about it and I said, you know, this is, this is probably the time in my life that maybe we need to look for something. So I was blessed. I actually met a consultant who helped me uh, to, um, to turn around and find out how to actually start a bank. Uh, but the main focus about starting a bank differently than like what Nikki went through is you just don't start a bank. Um, (laughs) banks are highly regulated. So you have to actually apply to start a bank with all the regulators, FDIC, OFI, Office of Financial Institution, the Federal Reserve. And you have to come up with a market plan and you have to tell them that this theory of this bank is needed for this market. And so you do that. You have to do market studies. You have to do all this. And of course, I've had... Uh, My friend who's a consultant, Mr. Charles Courtney, put this plan in together for me, and we actually went out and um, applied for that. At that point in time, we got all the regulars to say, yeah, I think it's a good idea, but to start a bank, even though we think you are in a market area that needs another bank, you now have to raise X amount of capital. So it's not up to you to decide how much capital it takes to raise. And is that they based on that market data? It takes that market data. It takes that market data, and the regulators come together and saying that this bank is going to be X amount of size, and you have to have so much capital in your bank before you actually open for business. In our case, they told us we needed to raise a little bit less than $4 million. Well, uh, and the other thing is, is you can't borrow the money. So you have to raise the money. Can't go to a bank to start a bank. I can can verify growing
2: up in the house that you did not have four million dollars. I did not have
1: four million dollars in my savings account. I couldn't even rob Lucas's piggy bank for four million dollars. So, of course, that's where really the blessings come in because we got a great team of of uh, of businessmen in the area we sold our pitch to, and we were able to get ten of us together to start the bank. And that, bank, that, that 10 dedicated to put the first million dollars up. Uh, and the idea was to go out into the community and raise the rest of the investment. So what we did is we actually did that. We put a pro forma together. We put the whole process together. And we went into community, and that was how we had to start. And lo and behold, instead of um, raising a little bit under $4 million, we actually raised $5.5 million dollars. So we knew the community would need wanted to start a new bank and they were they were uh, right there with us.
0: So what was the, the catalyst to make you even look into this process in the first place?
1: Well, the, the fact of the matter is is that the, the mergers and acquisitions that was happening throughout the banking, cor- banking it, it, it
2: does happen from time to time, but in and that particular point. To time, simplify that term a little bit, you're talking about larger banks buying smaller banks right. and two banks combining to make one larger bank, essentially. Correct. Okay. That's
1: correct. In other words, the smaller bank that we worked for way back in the, um, in the 70s uh, was a very, very small bank that just got acquired by another big community, a bigger community bank. The second bank I worked for was the largest community bank in UIberia Iberia, that was acquired by a corporate bank, an Alabama-based bank. Uh, I won't say names and all that type of stuff, but that was what it was. We're not
0: that big yet. So the, <laughs> so the fact of the matter is, is that
1: I, and we and I stayed with them. I actually stayed with them for a little while to see how the how the the, the transition would go, but it didn't take long. And say, no, nah, this is not for me. And the other great blessing is my wife is also a banker. So um, when we decided to do this, and I went into my boss's office and told him um, I'm resigning from the bank, and he wanted to know why, and I said, well, I'm going to try to start another bank. And there was some things said and all that. I won't get into it right here, but there was some things said. And I said, and by the way, as I'm giving you my resignation, I'm giving you Yvonne's resignation, my wife, because she was really the catalyst behind starting this bank. She's the operations person that helped start this bank. And needless to say, uh, he said, well, when you're thinking of doing this, this was like August of 1998. And I said, well, I'm doing it now, and, and we're going to go out. I'm going to try to raise the capital, get this thing done. It's going to take us about six months um, to to actually be able to get the charter and start the bank. So... He says, "Well, good. Then that's fine. You can leave now, but Yvonne has to stay till the end of the year." <laughs> so right then, and there, I told you which one of us was more important.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you were taking their star player, yeah. man. <laughs> uh,
1: and then after that, we were ten of us that actually started the bank in April of nine. Uh, I'm sorry, in April of nineteen ninety nine. We actually started in, started in New Iberia on Justin Terrace in a double Y trailer.
0: I remember a used double Y trailer, and that's where I got my first chicken and account. Yeah, in 2000. A used
1: double yeah. Y trailer, and needless to say, it's uh, it's been fantastic. Ever and soon. you know,
2: just to speak to the growth, very soon after there became another trailer right, right, right. behind it. You know, we, y'all moved up
0: in the big right. world. Yeah. So in the banking world, it takes $5 million to
2: buy a trailer. That's no, right. No. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So and as, and
1: when we started the bank, and of course, we're all very conservative. The board, we're all conservative guys. So it's like, well, we're not going to start building a bank until we know this thing is going to get off the ground. And within six months, we had to add the second trailer because we had so many people. And by that time, we started construction of the main office, which the main office was on Justin Terrace. And since then, we have moved. See, I was
0: happy. Y'all just put an ATM on my side of town. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was like, hey, at least I don't have to drive cross (laughs) town.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the idea was, is we wanted to be a community bank. The name community first came from that. We wanted to make sure that we're going to stay a community bank. We didn't want to have the word Iberia. We didn't even want to have the word Louisiana in it because we wanted it to be more local to communities. And our concept was we were going to be communities. We had no intentions of just... Starting and st- and staying in the New Iberia community, we wanted to grow past that, but that's where we knew we could start because there were no more community banks. There was one community bank in uh, in Iberia Parish, but there was no more main office community banks in the city of New Iberia, and that's how we were able to get that charter. So,
0: just because I don't understand the industry as well as you do. Um, is like you said there's a lot of acquisitions and stuff like that is there still a threat of that for community first oh
1: yeah as always and as always uh, mergers and acquisitions going on right now uh you know we've seen the last sure, one sure. of course now i'm not gonna say iberia bank was a small bank that was acquired but that's that's the trend that happens and it's just anything else and it's all economies of scale
0: look i, th- I think it's funny i have a, a little funny story um So my wife and your other son actually went to medical school together. And so after they've both finished medical school, uh, we moved out to Little Rock. We got married shortly after her graduation, moved to Little Rock. And uh, we switched banks. We were at Iberia Bank. We switched to Chase. I'm like, oh, Chase is a national bank. You know, Iberia is a local bank. There's not a single Chase Bank in Little Rock, Arkansas, Uh, but there were five (laughs) branches (laughs) of Iberia Bank. I'm like, what the heck? I was like... Okay, it's not the little bank that I grew up yeah. with. You yeah. know, things and have Chase changed. And
1: Chase is a national bank. Iberia was a regional bank, and of right. course, now they're going to be multi-regional banks as they as they continue to expand on, on the acquisitions that they just did. So, um, but yeah, and uh, of course, after that, uh, it didn't take long. We built that. We built the main office, and then our board was real, real aggressive and progressive in the fact that we wanted to just continue to grow the bank and grow it in other communities. And that's when we started looking into the Broussard-Youngsville area.
0: So you, you're up to nine branches now, if nine I remember. Nine branches. Uh, and what, how many different communities do you happen to know off the top of your head?
1: Well, I can just name them out there. We're in New Iberia, Lauraville, um, and um, the New Iberia and Lauraville in Iberia Parish. We're in St. Martinville and Browbridge in St. Martin Parish. We're in Broussard, Youngsville, and, um, and now Lafayette in Lafayette Parish, and we have other branches in New Iberia, besides the, sure. the main office in New Iberia, which makes up the nine branches. Cool. So we're in three parishes now. We're okay. in three parishes. We stayed out of Lafayette City proper until late recently, because what we wanted to do in every community we wanted to go in, we wanted to bring people local. Mm-hmm. We wanted the people that went to the schools, we went to churches, we went everything there, and we used that concept throughout our, our whole progression uh, as we moved from from community to community, not really city to city, but from community to community. Um, well, and that's,
0: I mean, I, I think it's funny you say that because that's how I got to know you was actually through church, never really right. through business, yeah. you know, until fairly recently. Um, so since you've kind of been at the helm since the late 90s, early 2000s, you've seen a lot of change, I guess, in the financial world. Oh, yes. I, I mean, I guess, I don't know if you would call it change. I guess you can call it, you know, eras or whatever the case may it, be, it's, but-
1: it's more like it's just like a lot of different industries exist that we're really really highly regulated so it changes drastically compliance changes which is of course government regulations whatever Congress puts in the laws the, the regulators put down to the to the bank so we have to comply with all that and then of course competition um so when we started our bank it was pretty much brick and mortar you open up uh, you open up a branch people walk in go talk to the tellers, tell the secretaries, and you know, drink a cup of coffee and go through the process. But it, it drastically changed from that to more electronic, which, sure. of course, we all know electronic banking is the wave of the future today. But we still feel that if we were going to move into a community, we can move into any community. We could go to Little Rock, Arkansas, sure. and open a virtual branch there. But unless we have some physical right. people there from that area, it just doesn't fit. So even though we were moving more towards electronic pieces, we still wanted to have a brick and mortar in every community we went, and that's that's taboo today. That's right. what you hear when all do not put money in brick and mortar. You, it, you're just wasting your money. But we still feel the concept is, is to be there to have people there to have local people. So many people still want to walk into a bank.
0: Right. I, I think you know. Rec- I, I guess in the past couple of years, I I approached Lucas one day at work. And uh I forgot what we were looking to borrow money for for something, either a property or a vehicle or whatever. and he asked me he like, "Why are you coming to me?" I was like, well, "cause I know I got a little bit of your dairy air I can chew <laughs> yeah. instead of some robot <laughs> or some phone number, some guy in a call center, you know so yeah. i I think you know even in our in our generation where I think we value experiences more than stuff mm-hmm. a lot of, and a lot of, especially as, as a parent, I will take my kid." pretty much anywhere, any concert, any trip, or anything like that, instead of just buying them things. Mm -hmm. So, and I I think our generation is kind of reigniting that face-to-face a little bit. Now, the generation after us, who knows? knows?
2: (laughs) Well, I I think one of the things that changes with the generations is the fact that, you know, if you you look into those generations before us, uh, you need to deposit a check, they're coming in. You know, you need to ask a question. They're Coming in, they're getting in the parking lot and walking into the front in the lobby. Uh, younger generations now it's it's almost exclusively online if, unless they have to. We're kind of of that, Logan and I, we're of that, that group that's kind of in that middle, you yeah, know. Yeah. I think we still value the technology that comes along oh, yeah. in banking. I like mobile deposit, that's, but you, you still want to nice. come and, and chew somebody out if you yeah, need to, if I need to. you want to know who they are, but also right?
0: like you know. My wife is, you know, always afraid for me to come drop off paperwork here because she knows it's going to take me an hour just to <laughs> drop off an envelope because Lucas and I can talk for an hour. So that's kind of how this podcast got exactly. started. One, one thing I tell
1: everyone, and the same thing with uh, being in a community bank, of course you can, you can bank with a bank like Chase or anyone else. That, you know, wherever sure. you go Capital in the country, one, you can whatever. find yeah. Right, exactly. But one thing I tell everybody is that even the younger people that are so familiar and want to do everything online, there will come a time, when they're going to run into a problem with their bank or they need something, and they'll go to mom and dad or granny, grandpa and granny, and they'll say, well, how do I face this? And they say, you know what you need to do? You need to, call you need so to go see so Jimmy uh-huh. Rodriguez. You need to see Larry Hensley. Uh-huh. That's my community bank. At. Or they're going to talk about it. Just go talk to them and tell them what, you, what your problem is and see if they can help you. And right. they walk into a bank, and then you have them. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And is. I'm not saying it's just us. Sure, But I am saying it's a person. It's an actual person that when you get to that point and you need to deal with something in banking, you want to talk to that person, and you do not want to get to an 800 number with all this other stuff. And I'll give you another little story. When we first started our bank, and, I mean, we were in this little double Y, and we're just um, kind of in the front, and, you know, things are going well and everything, and this lady opens the door, but she won't come in, an elderly lady. And she said, "Ma'am, come on in." She said, "No, I'm not coming in until you answer one question for me. If I bank with you, will I talk to a person?" I said, "Ma'am, I promise you. As long as I'm the president and CEO of this bank, you will talk to a person when you when the phone when you when you call in. Somebody's gonna. And to this day, we still have a receptionist. <laughs> we would. It's not that most." economical way to do things sure. but that's what we do and it's all because of something like that that was something so basic then it's really still basic today and I look I do everything I do everything with my with my phone I, yeah. I mean I look at my account just like y'all do yeah I transfer money just like y'all do but and of course I'm in banking so I'm a little bit more but there's still people that actually need to call somebody they need to call that banker are they going to talk to mom and dad's banker whenever that issue happens? And you, ha- you better be there. You, yeah. I always say there might be 10 banks in this country eventually because there are all these all mergers and acquisitions and everyone's getting bigger and bigger. But I do feel that every community will have at least one community bank.
0: And, I'll you know, either. honestly, it's really no different in my industry, in the travel industry. Because, I mean, anybody can go on DisneyWorld.com and book a, a Disney World vacation. Right. But as soon as they get to something that they don't know what to do, And then they call me. Exactly. And then I got them. Yeah. Right? So it's really, it's the same same thing. thing. Well, and that
2: website can't tell them the experiences that you've had with your
0: family. Oh, sure. To know what's
2: good. I mean, you and I have had these But same thing. Right. But
0: I also have that conversation with you about banking. Absolutely. How do I do this? This is what I want to do. You know, it's no different. You know, it's totally a two-way street.
2: I think that's one of the the most common and, and... so unprofessional. This is
0: not church. We can't have <laughs> phones on. It's my phone literally dinged during the intro. I was like, oh, correct. I think it's yeah. one of my
2: one of the most common questions I get uh, in banking. And, and and really one of my favorite is, is when people are just kind of like, look, here's my issue. Here's here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Here's point A and point B. I don't know how to do everything in between. And that's when I go, you know, when I can say, well, that's easy. We'll just do X, Y, and Z. Uh, had they just you know searched online or tried to find that answer on their own yeah, but even they may google, not have like, ever even
0: exactly found even it. if i were to google search that it's going to come with, with jargon and language i don't comprehend exactly you know and and uh, i'm i'm you know my client's advocate i'm also their interpreter and you know they're you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's my job that's what i do whether you know whether,
1: I tell, you know, I tell Lucas when he came to work for us, all of us, when we come to work, you not, you not, you not, we don't sell a thing. Mm-mm. We absolutely don't sell a thing I,
0: I say the same thing to my agents. Like, yeah. look, Disney spends millions of dollars yeah. selling the yeah. product. You, By the time they come to you, yeah. you're done. you don't need to sell the product. <laughs> you're, you're they just, know they want to go. You need to give
1: them advice and you need to put <laughs> right. them in the right direction. And right. If you don't have the right direction and we come across this all the time, if we have a product that they really need that we don't have, we suggest where they go.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, same because, here.
1: Because, yeah. you know, We don't have all the wealth management products. We don't have some of the market. If you're coming to me
0: for a destination wedding, I'm going to send you somewhere. It's it's the same thing in most any business, right? Right. Absolutely. Um. Well, now a little bit of dead air because I don't know where to go to from here.
2: This is where I what I was thinking. I know we've kind of you know crossed the the off the list the the backstory of everything. (laughs) Um. But I kind of wanted to take some of these questions that I have written down and and ball them all all up into one because I think what's on everybody's mind, I mean, you know, across the country, but locally too is, you know, what's that big R word that we keep getting asked about, and that's rates. Um, I kind of wanted to go backwards a little bit, maybe talk a little bit about COVID, what happened with rates, what's happening with them now, and what do we see going forward? Um, Because I don't don't think as many people, in my experience – Fully understand what what the the root of all this is.
0: So obviously, I know you're talking about loan rates, but is there a specific loans you're you're asking about?
2: Well, rates is is more of a, a it's an all encompassing term. Sure, it's a catch-all. Loan rates, it's deposit rates, it's all gotcha, kinds of things. Gotcha. They're all intertwined, and and that's where we need you, Logan. To okay, to yeah. tell us, bringing stop. you back down to earth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, rewind. <laughs> so I don't know if you kind of want to. Well, I, yeah, I I think I could
1: give you my uh, my what I think the concept is on where the interest rates are. And I'm going to tell you this right off the bat. The last 15 years, the rates have been fake. (laughs) Fake news. Fake Fake news. They've been fake um, pretty much because if you look back at rates and where rates were um, before the financial crisis, the financial crisis happened in 2008, right? Um, And, of course, that's when, you know, they were bailing out. They went to bail out the big banks and all this type of stuff. And so I'm going to stop
0: you there. How do you feel as a small bank owner whenever they bail out the big oh banks? Oh, I didn't like it at all. Oh, okay. no, we don't. I didn't. I didn't and like it at we, all. I didn't, we also I don't like, like it. It never crossed my mind until you just said that. We also don't like being I mean, lumped same, in with them either. At, at right. the same, we are not at the
1: same <laughs> time, at the same time, as I said, I don't like it. We have to understand who actually was involved in it because it was the banks. Okay. There's nothing. There's no two ways about it. It's the way they, we had packaged mortgages and all those types of things. And what it was. But really, technically, who owns it? It was everybody because right. it was in 401ks. I mean, everybody, everybody's 401k, every, the ball, the market, everything would have dropped. Now, I feel that we would have taken our hit on the market, everything would have happened, and things would have bounced back like they do in this great country. That's what happens every time. But the, they felt that the best thing to do was to try to save that. And in a good way, it's, they saved it, and it worked. But what happened was is they dropped interest rates, and I say dropped interest rates. The Federal Reserve pretty much has this federal discount rate that everything goes off of. And so interest rates were I mean the Fed Fed discount rate back then was, you know, between four and five and a half, something like that. This is
2: during two thousand and eight.
1: This was before two thousand eight. Okay. Before two thousand eight. Now keep in mind we had a we had a great industry going we had a good economy going you know things happened since then but we had we already had 911 mm-hmm. so we had we had drops in all this but pretty much all the drops were taken into place and then the financial crisis happened and they dropped rates all the way down to 1% from 4 or 5 to 1% and then they started rebounding back up um and then all of a sudden um we started having well the last thing, of course, is the pandemic. But through the process, everything happened. And then since the pandemic, uh, the rates just dropped to zero again. Um, so technically, what I'm saying is the last 15 years, and especially y'all, I say y'all, the younger people, have not really experienced what a true interest rate should be. Uh, an interest rate in the 5 to 6%, 7% range, a 6% mortgage is not a bad rate. Okay, now today it's a bad rate.
2: In the nineties, that was that it, was a norm. was the rate. thing.
1: Now remember, mm. back in the 90, in the in the early nineties, it was eighteen <laughs> percent.
2: I could you not know, imagine they
1: got crazy right. back then. It was, I mean, prime was twenty one percent back then, but then it got back to norm. And I'm saying that through my banking life, life it's been somewhere between five and six and a half percent. And I'm talking about mortgage rates was probably the the norm.
0: So for reference, where are we at now? Well, All we,
1: we were uh-huh. under three. Right. I mean, and that's what. I caught one of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I talked to somebody
2: Friday that said they locked in at two and a half or 30 years at, at the real
1: sweet right. spot. Yeah. And, and again, now we're back into the fives. Okay. So we're at five and a half, five and a, maybe closer to six. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. So close to what
0: you deem normal. For lack of we're, a better word, we're at order. the norm right now. Yeah.
1: Okay, now the Fed hasn't because the real bad word is not rates; it's, it's recession, inflation
0: or inflation. Okay, inflation,
1: inflation is really the the evil of all this stuff. And again, by, so can
0: you like just one sentence, like elevator pitch, define inflation?
1: Well, inflation is ba- basically we the great thing we we in a capitalist society, so it's it's right. pri- supply and demand, right? And when you have um, when you have too much demand, then rates start to rise. And of course, if you have course, cost, you mean. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, I said <laughs> rates. I'm yeah, back to rates. Yeah, okay. cost. And of course, then you start having supply issues, and it just drives it up even more. So, pretty much
0: the housing market. Then, you know. well,
1: and then the supply chain, right? right? That too, yes. The supply chain, and then on top of that, you have something like a pandemic, and for whatever reason, all this money is just given. <laughs> yeah. It's given to people. It's given to businesses. There's a lot of cash injected. But everyone's cash flow. And, of flush course, spending and... becomes an issue, and pr- pretty much that drives it up. So what the Fed does when that happens is they're supposed to adjust rates. And if they do it, you know, through these, through 9-11, through uh, the dot-com crisis, whatever it is, you adjust it, it gets back to normal, and you come back up out of it. And that's how it's supposed to happen. But it has not happened for the last 15 years. So you have all this on top of it, which is causing an eight over 8% inflation rate. Um, so the Fed has to now move rates pretty quicker well, than they really wanted to. Because to we
0: still haven't that. even really fully addressed the supply issue, right? No, like,
1: no, we know, we're not even close to any of that. Yet. Right. Because of what's happened now, because we've, we've gone through a pandemic that none of us have ever lived through right. in our lifetimes, not just y'all generation, sure, sure. none of us have. So that's just something new that we're just all going to have to deal with and come out of it at some point in time. I'm assuming that because there was so much cash put in, that you're having difficulty having people with, late, you know, doing the labor to get those supplies done. To manufacture oh yeah, they or got free cash and, and distribute. That's right. Um, it's, it's what it is. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying it's right or wrong. Oh, right, sure. Uh, I'll say it all, it's right or wrong I, I, when I'm off the air. But I'll, right, it's not. It's what it's right or wrong is what we did. Right. So we're in the situation we're in right now, and it's caused inflation to re, to rise at a faster rate. I've always thought back ten years ago when interest rates were down um, so low. I said oh, we're going to go into the inflation. It's just obvious we're going to go into inflation. But of course, that's when the the energy crisis kind of happened. So that drove those prices down, which kept inflation rates down. But now we're in the in the middle of everything. So, so
2: to, just a to real quick, you know, uh, lesson that it's kind of a high level discussion sure, right sure. there. So let's back up a little bit. One thing that I just wanted to make a point of is, I don't think a lot of people may know, or, or if they do, I apologize. But essentially, as inflation goes up, uh, raising interest rates is what T- it tamps that down. It essentially tries to bring rates down. Right. If, if in, but if inflation gets too high, it can do something to the point to where it could put us in a recession, right? right. Yeah. If rates go too high, it can put us in a recession, Correct. right? So essentially what the powers that be are trying to do right now is raise those rates just enough— Correct. to bring inflation so keep down from without either one of those things getting too out of whack. And from what I understand, I don't work at the Fed, but that is an extremely difficult thing to do. It is.
1: It is. And, of course, if you look back at when rates right, uh, rose or fell before and when rose rate rose before, it was always like quarter quarter percent at a time. They would have a meeting here and there, and they'd raise it a quarter, then they'd raise another quarter. You saw that. Now we, see, we just saw 75 basis points. That's almost unheard of. Now they're talking in July another 75 basis points on top of that. So I guess where I'm going with all this is that I'm not expecting in mortgage rates to stop at 5 or 6%. They're probably going to go higher. Do you, and when if they, you had
0: to venture a guess.
1: I would say they're probably going to hit 7 okay, maybe even 8 I don't okay. know where this is all going to go to where they can put this because if we either, they're either going to control inflation, or are, are we going to go into a recession? Pretty much those two things. Define that to
0: big R word. What exactly is a recession? Well, I mean, I know I know, my generation, we've lived through one, didn't necessarily know what the heck it was whenever yeah, we I, went through one. If
2: I remember right, it's a 20% reduction in uh, the... It's, it's two quarters where the GDP falls negatively.
1: So okay. When they consider to be a recession. So the GDP is is what all things right. are worth. And, of course, if you don't buy and sell and continue to do all this... And you slow it down. So when you're doing interest rates, they want to slow that down, but they're trying to control it where it doesn't fall into a negative piece two quarters in a, in a, in a row. Gotcha. And then, of course, you have larger con- uh, recessions. And I'm not an economist, so I'm, I'm, I don't really know how to explain that.
2: Well, I think there are there, there's three levels that I know of, I, I believe, which is, you know, first there is a correction, which is <clears throat> more common, I believe. And that's only maybe, what, uh, one quarter of, of reduction. A recession is a little more severe than that. And then at the, at the far end would be a depression, which is right. essentially what we saw uh, in the early uh, 20th century. Right. Um, so I, while those those levels are there, I don't think I'm, I'm not exactly sure of exactly how to define them. Yeah. Um, but from what I understand, these uh, the correction side of things has actually been Long overdue. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right. So it, it, that's what I keep wondering. Is it that this correction came and
0: it, it's been so long overdue? So was it like just COVID that was the straw that broke no, the camel's no, back? No, and, no. Was, and, of course, no. you
1: can listen to these economists talk all the years about the fact that the Fed isn't doing what they were supposed to do, and I'm not here to right, say right one right. way or the other. But the fact is we had that long a period of time where interest rates were basically zero. I'm talking about the discount rate. So you saw three percent, four percent mortgages all this time, and everybody's just buying. Then, of course, that's got to at some point in time catch up with you. And then all these things—the pandemic, the war—the all these things put into one thing, uh, energy—all these things just just made it even totally even bad. So, so now, what they're trying to do now is speed up the process of increasing those rates to try to make that 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 inflation rate plateau. Gotcha. So uh, And I, where, I, where I'm going with this is I think mortgage rates will get to 7 8%. And then at some point in time, hopefully not too long, things will level off and we'll get the economy pretty much under control and, um, and things will start going back. And we may start seeing an average rate of 6% on the mortgage rates, maybe 5 but I'm saying probably 6 which I still think. But you're not going to see that 3 I don't think right. you're going to see the three. Right. And I think what's happened was great for a lot of people, is that, you know, a three percent mortgage to a six percent mortgage, you could buy more house, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of buying a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house, you bought a three hundred fifty thousand house, because cost is cost. What you're looking for is what house I can get for the for what I can afford and that type of thing. So of course you can afford more three percent than six percent. So I think what you're going to see is. You're not going to see a real uh, fall on real estate, especially here in this market. I think there's still an inventory shortage of housing here for the amount of people that want it. So I still think you're going to see continued growth into the real estate market here. You just won't see as many houses being built probably, but it won't be down to zero. Things
2: won't be selling in an hour anymore. That's it right. It might and you, take and you days. And you
1: may not see... The, the price of the house stay up as it is right now. I just saw an article uh, in, um, where, of course, Youngsville and, and Broussard had the highest increases in housing prices uh, in the state. So it's like that may drop off. So, of course, a lot of people are selling their houses right now because they can get more, but they have to inject it somewhere else into another house and maybe pay more. I'm just saying for all of you, that were able to take care, take the three, four percent, enjoy it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we refinance. Enjoy it. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. won't refinance anymore. Yeah. So enjoy it as long as you love your home and you're staying at your home. Enjoy it yeah. because um, you did get a great opportunity out of this.
0: Don't get me wrong. You know, I live out in Cypress Gardens, and I think in the past, you know, two years in the pandemic, I've lost all my neighbors. Right. My my right. neighborhood is completely turned over, mostly because you know most people sold their house for fifty thousand right. dollars more than what they right. bought it for, mm-hmm. and Don't get me wrong. You know, my wife did approach the idea like, hey, we could get 50 G's. I'm like, yeah, but where are we going to go? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, because we did buy property. We are thinking of building. I'm like, I'm not sitting in an apartment (laughs) until my house is built because then I just lost that 50 G's. Even (laughs) though you can get
2: more for your house, what what you're going to go and buy with that is going to be essentially the same amount of house. Right. So you, you're making a lateral move for for what exactly? Right. And of now, course- But
0: all right, let me ask you this, right? In this market, especially in this area, right? So my house went up $50,000 and now some of the houses are staying the market a little bit longer. Some of the people are dropping, you know, they're asking price a little bit. But obviously I live in a bit of a cookie cutter house. There are four houses on my block that are the exact same floor plan. Am I going to see my house if and when I do build and, and sell in a year or two, is my house going to be- not worth the price that was sold, but these all the, all these other people in the past year you and a mean, half two years. You
1: probably, and this is just my guess. Yeah, probably what it's worth today, you could sell it. uh You won't get, but you probably get more than when you have, you bought it in the first place.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So that's I'm the not, thing. I'm, I don't it, think I'm going to go down 50 g's. Yeah. You yeah. See, that, right. that's
1: the thing. So, in other words. You know, unless you buy at this point in time and you want to resell sure. a year from now, then you might lose. Right. But if you bought your house, like I know the two of you have your starter Yeah, homes we've both and, been
0: here six, seven years now. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you
1: have your home. I think you're always going to get your value back out of your house, you know. Yeah. Uh, and um, and then hopefully at that point in time, we'll see whatever this economy does, and we'll get to that fluctuation. And if it's, it's at five, if it, and maybe, hey, look, I might be wrong. I might come back to the fours again. I don't, I'm not sure, but... I guess what I'm saying is is there's nothing wrong with a 6% mortgage. Sure. Because we lived in a 6% mortgage all life. So, I mean, it's not like, it's just that the younger people we have haven't not seen, seen, this seen yet. that. They right. haven't experienced the, the younger homeowners haven't experienced that yet. And you can still buy much home for that. You still can live within your means. You can still do the things you want to do outside of buying that house. So um, it's, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, don't think of blo- gloom and boom, uh, bo- you know, gloom, of, doom, right. yeah, gloom and doom because of, uh, because of this That's interest, interest, interest rate, now. right. We, interest rates will go up higher than yeah. they should, but they'll come back down again.
2: We just need to acclimate. We, we've been, right. we've been used to, especially in the last two or three years, these, you know, twos and threes and, and it's been great, but we've been spoiled. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, you just got to get acclimated to reality again, which is okay. It's fine. We're, yeah. we're all going to be okay. Right. You know, especially here. Like you said about the, the how. you know, even if the housing market, even if everything starts to kind of slow or settle or plateau, I, I mean, y'all, I think you'll agree with me. Youngs is still probably the most, desirable well, area to come oh, yeah, but it, yeah but come I'm, I'm, to, because yeah.
0: youngsville creates a demand right Correct. and that's why they're the most expensive houses and in you, the know, state, you know i credit a
2: lot of that to the mayor ken ritter i don't know if you know y'all yeah if y'all, y'all don't him, know anything about does that th- listen to our first episode did a great job great job <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right <laughs>
0: so let me ask you do you think we will see a recession like, do you think it's inevitable? You I know? think is a
1: I think is a very good possibility. Okay, I think so because I think because it because inflation has gone up so high so fast, the Fed has to react so high and so fast, that it may cause us. But again, a recession is not bad. A long recession is bad. Sure, but a short recession is not bad. Um, I you know I, I just have so much trust in this country, that I know capitalism, and, and everybody's going to get back to work. Eventually, these people that don't want to work are going to go back to work. It's going to happen. Right. People are going to have more patience. It may not be easier to get cheap credit anymore, so they may have to hold back and save a little bit more and put a little bit more down before they buy this. That TV might need, to, might need to last a little bit longer. Sure. Or that car might have to go another year. Yeah. Those types of things are going to happen, but that's who we are.
0: Well, I mean, even if you ordered the car, it's going to take you a year to get yeah. it at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with that being said, if you think, you know, more likely than not, we will see a recession, what do you tell, you know, a young, because Youngsville is a lot of young families. Like sure. us, first time homeowners, you know, uh, yeah. starter homes, families of four, blah, blah, blah. What do you tell us? Like, what do we do?
1: Well, it's kind of hard to tell you because what happens in a recession, of course, is everything starts to scale back uh, and start to uh, decrease the number of employments and all that type sure. of thing. But in our economy, we've, had, we've experienced this. We've been experiencing this for 10 years because of the, the energy, the oil and gas industry, right? right? So we've, we've, we know, friend, we have people that have lost their jobs and all those types of things. So I think the recession will be more nationally where this may happen and things might, might get slowed down because that's usually what happens in a recession. Of course, as companies have to scale back and hold back on things and then not hire this person or lay this person off. And, of course, that changes the financial condition of that family. Um, I don't really see that happening here. I just don't see it because of where we're at and where the experience with the types of industry we now have in this area. I just don't see it happening that way as as bad, maybe as a, as a national economy. So I'm just telling everyone um, in your own just to, you know, again, have a little bit more patience and maybe not extend that credit card out too long, too far, too fast. See how this all plays out. Put a little bit of money in the savings account instead, you know, if they're just borrowing because it's, it's going to be a little bit more expensive to borrow. Um, and just, um, just, when you need whatever you need, you go get you get it.
2: It's essentially the same sound financial advice you'd give to anybody who's, you know, uh, going through a big life change or you know this economic issue that could happen. You know, pump the brakes a little bit. Right. 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 Don't don't overextend. Don't over leverage. Um, not saying you know uh, start stockpiling ramen noodles and yeah, and right, not leaving right. the house. But you know, so don't relive my college days. Correct. Okay. <laughs> But you know, you know, maybe you give a little more thought to some of those uh, 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 extracurriculars. You know, the yeah. vacations and the things like that. Who yeah. knows?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, I've been seeing that. You know, for yeah. the past couple of years in yeah. general, that's nothing that, to do financially.
1: Yeah, the first thing that's gonna it's gonna slow down is those. But I mean, both transportation
0: you know? costs is up right now astronomically, yeah. so I'm already seeing people like, oh, well, we can't fly, or right. is it really that expensive? I'm like, yes, it's really this expensive right now yeah. to travel. You know, but sure. Um, so we've covered a lot of the questions I have in front of me. Um, what? Are there, any, are there okay. any points you wanted to make about, like, our local
2: area, be it Youngsville, be it just South Louisiana, about banking in general? Is there anything coming up down the pipeline? I mean, I know we talked about rates. Are there any changes to banking, you know, any general information or advice you'd give to people? Um, no, to I, I,
1: would, I would just say, I mean – just, li- just live with technology because that's where it's all going. Um, you know, so, and I'm, I'm not talking about y'all generation because, of course, y'all can live with technology. I'm talking more of my, my generation. There's still quite a few people that just don't want to go that route, and they're going to have to. It's not going to be that they're going to have to. That's the only way. That's the not only, way of, that's only means of happening. I'm not saying we'll ever get to a cashless society, but I am saying that more electronic type of transactions will be the norm, of course. It is already the norm. It's going to continue to be a norm.
0: Um, that brings up a question I have for you. What do you think about cryptocurrency?
1: Um, cryptocurrency, to me, right now is an investment. It has nothing to do with anything but investment. It's a great idea of how to make two transactions work. But it has You're talking to, about the blockchain in general. I'm talking about the blockchain. Yeah. But it has to be, there has to be some type of regulation, mm-hmm. there has to be rules. You know, if the Federal Reserve wants to put a, a, a cryptocurrency in, in place under the Federal Reserve guidelines, or if it's not the Federal something like that, then that's fine. So that's like a long, crypto dollar. Yeah, it can't fluctuate the way it fluctuates. Right. I mean, and right now it's strictly, to me, it's for that. Um, so I think it's got a long, long way to go uh, as far as I'm concerned.
0: But do you think it's the future?
1: It, it definitely could be the future, but again, it has to be regulated. Sure, it's, it has to be. And I know they don't want to regulate it, and I know you talk to all these people; they don't want to regulate it. But you can't have this one doing this and this one doing this, and all of a sudden, you've you've lost twenty percent of value in this. So you lost twenty. You know, you can't buy what you wanted to buy. I think it can't be that way. It has to have some control, right. just like the dollar. The dollar goes up and down, but we have control over that dollar to some degree. And we may lose some value of that dollar at some point in time and we may gain some value of that dollar but it's not dramatic right I think because, because I mean, of the regulations.
0: Cr- like Bitcoin lost what or most most cryptocurrencies in the past six months have lost 50% of its value yeah, or something even like more that. Yeah. even more. I, yeah. I think what I've been telling
2: everybody is is it's the technology behind it, right It's, it's how blockchain works and, and how that affects transactions and, and a whole slew of other things. But I do think that technology that's behind it, is is it's inevitable that it'll make its way into the banking system, and I think it's a good thing. Just, it's just, just gonna take a it's gonna take a while. I mean, put the dollar
1: into the blockchain system.
2: We we right look now. back at dot com bubble and and all these these you know crazy websites that popped up, and a lot of them had uh, really great concepts, were really great I- ideas. They were just a little too early before the mm-hmm. technology was available to make them plausible. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what we're seeing now. Will some of those cryptocurrencies? Stick around and, and still be around in five or ten years? Yeah, I don't think it'll be a whole bunch, but I think the the, the technology behind it is what, where the asset lies, and that's what we're gonna see stick around forever. That's just my opinion, though. I, I, and I think I mean, you're right. I think I think the you. main
0: sec like, another main thing that obviously is, comes up a lot is the energy efficiency of you know maintaining so, these mm-hmm. transactions and yeah. things like that with cryptocurrency. Uh, that's where my knowledge comes from because I like to build PC games, so therefore I know graphics card prices mm-hmm. because they are one of the major things that mine these cryptocurrencies. Um, and and Which
2: I would ask you about that, but we don't have any time
0: to Ooh, get into that stuff. Right? That's okay. a whole other show. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: that, but, I am not the
1: expert that. So you're not right into that one. <laughs> we'll have, no, our, we'll I have mean, our
0: IT guy come on next. <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, you know, it's 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 something our generation talks about a lot. Sure. You know, and it's it's definitely. Again, piquing my interest, I'm watching it. I still don't fully understand what I'm looking at, yeah. you know. But
1: oh, and again, like I said, the technology that is the technology that, that transactions are going to go through. There's no two ways about it, but um, you know, I guess you can do tra- You do, I don't know, have you either one of you have done an actual transaction through crypto? Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. okay, so but most people are buying it for investment it, it, but, but it's speculative. Right.
0: So, like, um, I personally haven't done it, but I have family members who have done well with it. Um, and they have like a crypto debit card, right? And it just mm-hmm. they go through a transaction like anyone else, and it it just sells that amount of Bitcoin yeah. at that time, whatever well, got the market value.
1: All of at the bank that they all <laughs> into that kind of
0: stuff.
1: <laughs> but I think
2: right now where it's at is those transactions or those you know whatever that blockchain is being used for to to make those things happen it's still not as as uh, user friendly as it is to Venmo somebody or to Cash App somebody. Um, I, I think. It's getting there.
0: It will, I think it will be simply because, of, because of the fact it's not currently regulated. Correct. Because obviously, you know your PayPal's and and not necessarily Vim, but other people they're they're charging you an interest rate to make right. that transaction. Mm-hmm. And people are like, yeah. well, if it's faster, ch- safer, and cheaper, I'll pay it right. to do it via crypto. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Yeah. You know.
1: And the same thing with you know your credit card, your master cards, your debit cards, those types of. That's transaction fees. Oh, absolutely. That all of that. It's it's just, you just, may not be it, paying it upfront. You up may front. not be paying it, but you painted exactly, exactly. Right. So that's the idea of
0: everything. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we all know we pass by gas stations. There's cash prices now and car exactly prices. Right. You know, they're trying to get their money's worth. Mm-hmm. I get it. You know. Um, Sorry, I kind of robbed your advice segment there to ask about crypto, but was there <laughs> anything else you wanted to talk about?
2: Well, I, what I was going to kind of yeah. segue into too is, is um you know, we get a lot of people every day that walk into the bank and, and want to know about, uh you know, starting a small business.
0: Um, yeah, let's talk
2: what, about that. What, uh, I mean, is now the time? Is it is it a good oh, time? Course. Is it a bad time?
1: Like I said, I'm... Um I'm I'm strong in this country. I don't care what's going on with it right now. I'm strong in this country. I believe in capitalism, and I believe everybody that wants to be a capitalist to go out and try to do it on their own, and make it work if they if they are talented, if they got if they educated, they you know they got the right services to to sell those types of things. Ev- definitely, and there's no there's no time. Um, well, I shouldn't say there's no time. Of course, there's certain times of, of starting a company, of, of starting a business. But when you think it's right to start a business, start a business. I don't care if you're in a recession or whatever, start mm-hmm. the business. If you feel that you have something that your community needs where you can uh, do something to feed your family, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's what this great country is all mm-hmm. about. And I believe, I don't believe there's a time to hold off on that until we're out of this interest rate hike yeah. or recession. I'm rate. of the mindset of
0: ready, fire, aim. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Because you know? yeah. essentially,
2: if you can make it in a bad time. Make it,
0: then make it right that's then, then you, you can know really succeed exactly in the good times, right? yeah i mean i took over my company just before the pandemic uh it was already in a bad spot i turned it around went into the pandemic got into you know an even worse spot you know but luckily my type of business doesn't take a ton of capital to mm-hmm. run day to day you know um yeah. so it's but yeah i i think i would agree with you oh, yeah. you know
1: no, there's no two ways about it anytime anytime you feel is the right thing and you can get the investors behind you or, the, or you have the capital or you borrow the money whatever the case may be if you have a great plan and and in the banking world we we're we're not saying oh let's not look at any loans for new startups anything we're saying come on mm-hmm. and i'm not and not just community first every bank in this area is like they want more loans they're looking for the next good loan so um we're not holding back on that, so I don't think anybody else should.
2: You know, oil and gas has typically been our, our bread and butter around here. And, and I, look, I'm not an oil and gas man. I mean, neither are, none of us all in here are, but um, it seems like with, as we talk about technology, the way things change, uh, the industry isn't as, as uh, I guess, personnel demanding anymore. They don't need as many people to get that barrel sure. out of the ground, right? Um, but it seems like Lafayette is doing a pretty good job of kind of diversifying. What are, you know, from a banking standpoint, what do you see? What are, what are those industries that you really see kind of thriving that could supplement uh, what maybe oil and gas, you know, is uh, it's kind I of could, losing?
0: I could tell you those. Well, uh, I, I the, two, the two major industries are tech and healthcare.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that's where I was going. At. It, or, it already has. Yeah, it they surpassed has oil and gas in Lafayette, yeah. mm-hmm. you yeah. know, in Acadiana. Yeah. The medical the medical field here is unbelievable. And, of course, I think it's geographically how Lafayette and the area is, is to that because you have Houston, you have New Orleans, you have something Baton Rouge, but there is nothing here, and you can see all the investments being made on that and the, the tech, technical technology piece is also one of the big big focal points and
0: you have two very large players in this area investing millions in the healthcare industry here oh yeah definitely you know? yeah uh, i mean i know my wife is you know vehemently independent but don't think that they haven't been approached by the big hospitals and trying to acquire them and things like that and they're like nope we want we still want to be that lo- like you the community yeah. local that's right that's right and know.
1: there's a need for all of that yeah, there's a need and absolutely. you and you know you could say well they can do it a lot more efficiently than i can but I still can do it yeah. and I can serve my people. I can serve the community sure. I want to serve. So why not do it? Sure. You know, yeah. that's the whole point of all that. So
0: but yeah, healthcare is a whole nother episode. Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> maybe we can get a, a Mrs. Lanou. Oh, in for that. Good, <laughs> luck. <laughs> good <laughs>
0: luck with that one. If she makes it this far on this podcast, I will get punched. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a few other healthcare professionals
2: that would love to oh, talk oh, our sure. hands off. Right?
0: Sure. <laughs> yeah. We could definitely do that. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, I think we've covered a lot of ground. We're just shy of an hour uh, where we like to typically be. Uh, super fun episode. I really appreciate you, Mr. Benny, for being here. Um, if you guys have any questions, any topics, anything you want us to dig into and dive into, hopefully we'll have a little more time this month. Uh, you know, With school being out, I stay home with the kids, so a little busy. Maybe we can use this moment to do a quick little plug, too, uh, a shameless plug. Uh, I know this is a
2: Youngsville-based podcast, which is very much – we're still a bedroom town, right? And there's oh, yeah. a lot of yeah. people that that still work in the Lafayette area. Sure. Uh, it just so happens that Community First Bank we we mentioned it earlier has a new branch on uh, out on Pinhook. So yeah. uh, if anybody works or, or travels this, in that area,
0: and the podcast is recorded at the Youngsville branch yeah, exactly. of Community First Bank, so unofficially sponsored by.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're watching people go around on the wrong boat right now. <laughs> Destination Mouse and Country Beauty lab yeah, and all, those, all of us, all those oh, good ones. Yeah, right? Lafayette
0: Internal Medicine Clinic. We'll just go down the line. And, you know, everybody's businesses in our family uh, but yeah no look we really appreciate you guys if there's anything else you'd like to look, uh, us to look into i've already gotten a couple of cool emails and facebook messages on some potential topics uh very a few of them are very high thirty thousand feet broad national topics but um i i wouldn't mind digging into them and see how it affects us locally sure. here in youngsville um but other than that we really appreciate y'all and our hacks are having a ton of fun doing this yeah. this is you know it's it's, a blast. We're, we we're we we're really bad at scheduling these things but like i said we've Figured been busy out. but we're we're gonna get there because uh, the biggest question i got you know being out and about whether it's coffee with the, the mayor and chief and stuff like that, like when's the next one and i'm like it's monthly <laughs> and they're like oh <laughs> like i don't have time to do this every week <laughs> yeah um, you know, we very much done on but if, if if this picks up you know the pace a little bit i'm I'm open to the idea of bi-weekly. Sure. You know, but, we'll uh, but until then. Yeah, Dad, we appreciate you Yeah, coming. absolutely. It was a I ton love of fun. I doing
2: it. I
1: really had a great time doing that, this. You, I hope an not. hour
0: has passed. You didn't even notice. Really? It's been 55 minutes. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be. See, there's that cage of I'll <laughs> be. Yeah, man, How did that happen? <laughs> and with that, this has been Roundabout Now. Thanks.